We are in our second week of our series, Pursuing the Father's Heart. And this is all in leading up to Easter and preparing for Easter. And we're basing the series uh, out of Matthew 6. The foundation is from Matthew 5, 48 and in, in chapter 6, verse 1, which says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. We are called to be perfect as our Father is perfect. And then we are called not to practice that pursuit of perfection and righteousness so that it will be seen by others. This is the foundation for all of this. It then goes in and talks about, as we did last week, and, we'll get a, and I'll do a little bit more about this, about um, the generosity and the prayer and the fasting and all of those things. And those are all the spiritual disciplines that we do, but we cannot do those things unless we are properly pursuing the Father's heart and striving for this perfection that we are called to by God to be perfect as he is perfect. That's his heart. He's created us in his image. He's given us the son Jesus and forgiven us. And so now we are pursuing after him. These are the heart behind our spiritual disciplines. Often with our spiritual disciplines, they can be, kind of become just what we do instead of who we are in Christ and chasing after the Father's heart. Um, last week I talked about this idea of feel versus real. And what I did is I shared that I'd come across a disc golf video. Uh, it's a video that I, uh, disc golf something I enjoy, so I want to get better at it. So I watch different videos so I can learn all the techniques to do what I'm supposed to do to play better, throw it farther, whatever. Um, and there's a reality of I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm taking the disc. I'm reaching all the way back. I'm pulling all the way through, whatever. Uh, and so I feel like I'm doing all that. But if I were to set up a video camera and actually watch myself, the reality is I'm probably not doing all of those things. So because the result isn't what I think it should be, right? And I talked about gymnastics and how my daughter does gymnastics and Jessica did and coaches and now they both coach and, and that so often we would have a gymnastics meet and we'd tell Isabel, Isabel, you weren't pointing your toes. And she's like, yes, I was. For her, she felt like she was pointing her toes, but we saw the reality of it that she wasn't. It was funny because I had shared that and then last Sunday and then it, after lunch, uh, last week, Jessica said just the day before she was at a meet with two of her girls, and um, the girls were there, and there was also a professional photographer that was there, and he was taking a ton of pictures of all the kids, and so they take all these pictures of all the kids, and then, of course, they post them, and they tell them you can go online, and you can buy these professional pictures of your kids doing gymnastics, right? Uh, well, one of the girls comes to Miss Jessica after looking at all of these and says, Coach Jessica... You always tell me to point my toes. And I was looking at the pictures that the photographer took, and in every single picture, my feet are flat. I'm going to work on pointing my toes. She felt like she was pointing her toes, but when she saw proof reality that she wasn't, she realized, I've got to point my toes. Another girl says, Miss Jessica, you're always telling me to keep my knees and ankles together, and, and because I don't, and I tell, her, tell you that I am, but then I saw the pictures, and in every picture, my feet, my, my ankles and my knees were not together. She felt like their legs were, were together like they're supposed but the reality was they weren't. And so my whole hope as we walk through this and as we pursue the Father's heart, 
of being perfect as he is perfect, of practicing our righteousness through these spiritual disciplines, that we'll stop and say, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but my prayer is that the truth of the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts and draw us to the Father and help us find the reality of where we are in our spiritual disciplines. Are we doing these for ourselves? Are we doing these for the praise of someone else? Or are we truly seeking after the Father's heart? Last week, we looked at the first few verses of Matthew, uh, verses 2 through 4, and we talked about generosity. If you weren't able to be here, they're available online. You can watch on YouTube. Uh, you can do, uh, we have our podcast. You can look at any of those to listen to that, to rehear that or whatever. I'd encourage you to do so. But we talked about last week in generosity that as followers of Jesus, we get to be givers. As followers of Jesus, we need to be mindful of our motivation for giving. And then as followers of Jesus, we get to pursue God's reward for selfless giving. Generosity is a big, big deal, big deal. So much so, and we feel so impressed that as we do, uh, as we have our discipling communities, you know, every once in a while we recommend a Bible study uh, to the facilitators to take it to the discipling community groups on a certain subject. And we want to share that Pastor Chris is going to be sharing with the facilitators a new study. It's an eight-week study on generosity. And we would like, if you're part of a discipling community, for you guys to take a break from what you normally do and focus focus in on these eight weeks and look at generosity because we feel like it's something that we need as a family for our community, for the sake of our community. And so we, we looked and looked, Pastor Chris and I looked and looked for a, a good Bible study on generosity and all the ones that we kept finding all had to do with money. And we're like, to us, generosity is so much bigger than finances, so much bigger than that. But we only found one that we really liked how they looked at it. It was put out by Seventh-day Adventist, and so we didn't go with that one. Um, um, so instead, we started praying about it and processing, and, and we decided, uh, Chris says, hey, I think I've got some ideas. I'm going to start putting down some things on paper, and he was doing that. And then we sat down on Friday, and we, we, we knocked one out. And so we have an eight-week study that we want to encourage the discipling communities to do on generosity. And only one of those weeks is on finances. The rest are in other aspects of what it means to live a generous life for Jesus. And so if you're part of a discipling community, we encourage you to, uh, to talk with Pastor Chris to get that information. And, and, and you don't have to do it right now. Maybe you wait. Maybe you do it in, in April, May. Maybe you do it May, June, wherever. We just want to encourage you to take eight weeks with your discipling community and do that. So that was last week, generosity. This week, we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of prayer. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to chapter 6 of Matthew and, uh, and stand so that we can read God's Word together. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather as your family, as your children, and to look into your word, to lift worship to you in form of music and prayer. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move among us and draw our hearts to you. That you would reveal truth in our hearts. Specifically this morning in this area of prayer. That we would model you in your righteousness when it comes to prayer. Father, if there's any ways that we are not doing that, reveal those to us today. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our first winter in Montana was, uh, was well, we moved, to, we moved to Montana in January. We actually pulled into town on January 1st. And so January 1st, uh, there was no snow when we got there, which we were disappointed by. Uh, but it was cold. It was cold. And uh, then we got into January, and then we got into February, and we thought January was cold. February was like colder. Um, and it was miserable. There are things that you do in the cold and things you don't do in the cold that you don't even think about if you live where it's warm. Okay? You don't even think about it. We didn't even know. There are some things we didn't even know. We were like northern, just, we didn't know anything about living in the snow. Uh, Jessica, you know, growing up here, and I spent a lot of my time, you know, down in the south or where it was warm, Hawaii, Arizona. Um, when it's been below zero for two weeks, and you see someone outside walking, yes, people still walk when it's zero degrees in Montana, okay? People are still outside walking, okay? If you're driving along and you see a friend outside walking, you don't stop and try to roll your window down, okay? I'm telling you this because it's not going to go down, it's frozen shut. It's frozen up, okay? It's there. It's not going anywhere, okay? We didn't know this. We learned this because when I attempted to do this, the window wouldn't go down. And I thought, okay, something's broke, something's stuck. And so what did I do? I'm real smart. I just keep pressing the button. I'm pushing the button. And all of a sudden, I hear this clunk, clunk. But the window is still up. Okay, so what's happened? Well, that mechanism inside that's on a track that holds the window in place and brings it up and down had frozen, the window froze, and it just popped off the window, and it was no longer connected to the window. So guess what happens when it gets warm with that window? It just gently falls right back into the spot where it's supposed to, re-glues itself, and it works just fine, right? 
No, it doesn't. Being the car guy that I am, I had to fix my window. So I went and bought two rubber door stops, got my window slid up, stuck them there in the, in the window, th- and the window stayed up. If I wanted it down, I took out the rubber door stops, and the window came down. Because <laughs> it does get warm in Montana, and you do like to have the window sometimes. About three weeks later, now Jessica's in the car with me. My window is door jammed up. Jessica sees someone, she starts, and I'm like, no, no, too late. She's pushing the button. We hear the exact same noise. So now both windows are door jammed stuck. Okay? Starting to get warm. I want to put my windows down the right way, you know. And so I go to the professional to find out how to fix my windows. I pull it up on YouTube, okay? Now, don't laugh. Because I found a guy on YouTube that told me exactly how to, I put in 1999 Ford Expedition, how to fix the windows, and it came up exactly. I, the dude was doing it on like, it was the same color car. I mean, I thought he was working on my car, and he explained exactly how to do it. This guy was a pro. He, he'd stepped me all the way through, step by step, how to fix it, and I got both windows fixed. I was excited. I was so excited. I saved this guy's uh, page so that if I ever had anything else go wrong with my car, I'd go right back to him because he knew what he was doing. He helped me fix it. Because why? He was a professional. He had done this. Now, don't laugh about going to YouTube because most millennials and Gen Zs, they know if they have a problem, they're going to go to YouTube and see if they can fix, learn how to fix it. On. So if you're older and you don't know how to fix something, YouTube might have the answer. I'm just saying. So when it comes to prayer, what better way to find out how to pray than to go to the person we're praying to, right? These are Jesus' words. He is telling us, hey, you have a relationship with our Father, with my Father, and if you want to talk to him, I'm going to lay out for you the best way to communicate, Husbands, don't you wish your wife would come to you and say, if you want to effectively communicate with me, this is the way you do it, and lay that out for you? Wives are saying it still wouldn't work. But that's what Jesus does. He says, if you want to talk to the Father, this is how you talk to the Father. Now, there's an opening here. We're going to hit out a couple points, and then we're going to get into what we call the Lord's Prayer. Um, And I hope that as we go through this, one, I'm going to say this. There is so much in here. There is so much in here. And I'm going to say what I say, but I'm sitting here looking out and seeing faces that I know have preached the same exact thing. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will meet each of us wherever we're at, and give us fresh, fresh insight in our personal walk with him. Number one, first thing I want us to notice is we do not pray for man's approval, but we pray for God's reward. We do not pray for man's approval, but we pray for God's reward. Verse five, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Now, this is different. This is a little different. Our culture is different today. If we see someone standing on the corner praying out loud, we wonder what's up with them, right? 
But for them, this was a normal occurrence. They saw this. this when they walk around, they would, they would have these, they would do this and they would do it loud because what they were doing was they were showing, this is how godly I am. I pray these words and I pray for people to hear. And that was showing people their godliness. And instead, Jesus is telling us that is not how we show our godliness, that we don't do it. The reward is someone looks at them and says, wow, that guy, he's religious. He knows God. But that's not what Jesus tells us to do. That's not how we should pray. That reward is an instant reward. It's gratification that comes right then. It makes you feel good, but it's not really about prayer. It's about me. Have you ever prayed out in public and had someone come up to you and say, wow, you're a good prayer? That's hard to hear. That's not why I'm praying. That's not why we should be praying. I think it goes for worship too. And when I sing songs of worship to God, I'm up here and I know my hands go up and I move around because I can't stand still. I can't stand still anyway. I'm always moving. Um, but I can't stand still. And I hope and I pray that I'm not doing that to bring any attention to me because that's not my intent. My intent is to point worship to God. And, and, and this isn't saying that we shouldn't pray out loud or pray with congregation or with each other. We should. It's good for us to pray. But then the next point, maybe Jesus says, go and pray privately because we can't handle praying out loud with each other because we might get a big head from it. Or we might try to impress. Or look how, know, look how well I know Jesus because I can say this. Or look how well I know Scripture because in my prayer I'm quoting Scripture. We've got to be careful that we don't do that. But that heart inside of us, right? Sometimes, sometimes we do it. We don't realize we've done it till after the fact. But if we're pursuing the Father's heart, then I believe that we will not seek man's approval and that we will pray for God's reward. So what does Jesus say? In response to this, Jesus says, pray in private. Pray in private. Pray privately. So that we aren't tempted to pray in a way that would bring attention to ourselves. But I would say, why do we even pray? I don't know. This doesn't make sense to me. We're letting God know. He's already said. He already knows what we're going to pray. He already knows what we need. Don't say a whole bunch of words. Prayers are a sweet aroma. Scripture calls them incense. If we look back to Psalm 141, verse 2. It says, may my, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. In Acts chapter 10, verse 4, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Revelation 5, verse 8 and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. When we are praying, 
When we are pursuing the heart of the Father, our prayers are a sweet aroma like incense to the Father. When we are praying out of ourselves and for others' approval, it's probably a foul aroma. I don't want to send a foul aroma up to my God. So what's our heart? We go into our room. We pray privately. Verses 6 through 8. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. When I think about praying in private, I think of the movie War Room. Anyone see War Room? Okay, go watch it again. Just going to say it. Go watch it again. If you haven't seen War Room, go watch it. And after you've watched it, watch it again. I, I think it would be good for all of us to have a War Room. But I'm also going to say, um, you don't need to tell anyone about it. That's yours. Cheers in the Father's. You don't need to tell anyone. And I'm also going to say this. We don't need to spend a lot of time asking. Why? He already knows. Now I'm not saying we don't ask. Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask. So we should ask. But as we take time this morning to walk through what it, this prayer is, I want us to look at it and think about how much of this is asking. It's so much more. So we're going to look at it together. We're going to look at this prayer. This is the way God the Son says to pray. <laughs> the Son of our Father, who is also God, says when you pray, this is how you pray. This is our example. This is the professional. He, he, he is... Uh, <laughs> he's the professional in this. We should know. So we'll look at this. The first area that we see in this prayer is relationship. Relationship. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. All true prayer begins with receiving God's love and recognizing the relationship we have with Father God through Jesus. It's our relationship. That's why we start by saying, Father, our Father. Some people say, Daddy, I'm good with that. It's recognizing what our relationship is and that he is who he is. And it's good for us to recognize that. Because it's not about me, it's about him. And the things that I'm going to say, I need to say for him and to him. So we recognize our relationship. The second thing that we do, hallowed be your name. We worship. We worship him. All true prayer responds to the revelation of the glory of God's name, who he is. It's appropriate to declare the value of his name, emphasizing names of God particular to our situation. I like to be in control. I like to have control. I like things to be solid. When things get out of control, does anyone like that? So when I'm feeling out of control, I pray to 
God, my rock. God, my strong tower. God, my firm foundation. I worship him. I worship him. We need to worship God in our prayers. We call music worship, and it is worship, but it's not only worship. Our prayers should be filled with worship. That's why I try to say over and over, I try to say it's time to, to worship through music. Because singing isn't, that's not, it doesn't encompass all of worship. There's prayer, the reading of God's word, all of it is worship. So we have a relationship. We recognize the Father. We have worship. We take time to worship God. The third part, lordship. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer calls for the advancement of his kingdom reign. His kingdom. His kingdom. I pray for my kids. I pray, I, pray, I pray for their protection. I want God to protect them. But I also pray that he will draw their hearts to him. That's more important. And so if they have to go through difficult things for them to finally get to the point of waking up and recognizing their need for the Father, their need for Jesus, then I pray that it happens. And some may say, that's not protection. No, that's, that's the big picture of them knowing Jesus. I had to go through hard things for God finally to get through this thick skull to realize that I had to lay everything down for him. Who am I to think that my kids are going to get the same place just by everything being rosy? They got to go through it. And so I'm going to pray them through it because I want them to go through difficult times so they'll surrender their lives to Jesus. His lordship, his kingdom advancement. That means we may not recognize or even understand the full picture, and that doesn't matter because he has a kingdom direction and we want to follow it. God, I do it different than that. Yeah, but you're not God. God, can you make it go this way? Because I could benefit from things if it went this way. Is that kingdom minded or is that self minded? We surrender to his lordship. And we need to do that even as we pray. Sonship. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. These are two basic needs every child has. Food and forgiveness. We are his kids. It's good for us to recognize and submit to him and say, as your children, we ask for food. We ask for forgiveness. Our God brings in the groceries, he gives us food. And he takes out the garbage, he forgives our sins. That's what he does. And that's a good thing. We need that. So we do ask for God to forgive our sins and, and, and we repent. We do ask for him to provide for our basic needs. He wants us to. And it's part of being his children. Last night, Colby comes out. Jessica was leaving for gymnastics. She had a meet down in Atlanta. There was no dinner. Colby comes out and says, hey, Dad, what's for dinner? And I said, well, I think I'm going to get some wings from Domino's. He goes, I want wings from Domino's. Will you pay for mine? What am I going to say? Hey, you're 19. You got a job. Get your own. No, I bought him wings from Domino's. Why? Because he's my son. That's why. God's going to do the same thing for us. 
well, maybe not wings from dominoes, but... The next one, fellowship. As we forgive our debtors, as we are forgiven through Christ, we extend that forgiveness to others. That's talking about our relationship with our family members. We forgive so there's nothing between us and we can interact and have relationship. We pray for each other. Instead of being upset with someone because they said something, why not just pray for them? Don't wait for them to come and ask. They may, the chance may never be there for them to come and ask for forgiveness. Go ahead and forgive them. And if God opens the door for that forgiveness to come later, even more of a blessing. Even more. Open fellowship is what God calls for us. The next one, leadership. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our two greatest enemies are sin and Satan. And this one right here confronts both of those enemies. Help us not to sin and protect us from the enemy. Now, in this scripture, the NIV stops here. If you have the King James, New King James Version, it continues, and there's one more line, and, uh, you know, it's just because of the different copies of scriptures, the original scriptures that we found. Um, the farther we go back, the more earlier dated ones don't have this line. The later ones, this line is there. So it was in the King James. It's not seen in most of the more contemporary translations, but I'm going to say it. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And this is ownership. This is ownership. All true prayer moves towards Christ's ownership of everything. Jesus owns everything. And so we end the prayer with this because we're submitting to him full submission, saying that he holds it all. He holds it all. How much of that is asking? A small part of it is asking. A small part of it is asking. And yet that's what we do most of the time is we ask. We get together in, in prayer groups and we ask for this and ask for this and ask for this and instead of using this model and recognizing God for who he is. And then even in our asking, so much of our asking is about physical things. We should be asking for spiritual things that align with his will and align with his kingdom. So what's your feel versus real when it comes to prayer? How do you feel your prayer life is? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the real? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of your prayer life. The real. And ask him to help you change Pray toward pursuing the Father's heart. In this area of prayer, not seeking attention, not seeking praise, but rather growing in relationship, worshiping Him, recognizing His Lordship, accepting our sonship, praying for our family, battling our sin and the enemy, and surrendering all to Jesus. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to do. And so we're going to close. And right now I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to ask you where you're at 
privately, individually pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the real of your prayer life. Let's pray.